0: So, we've been talking about tables. We had tables in here for the last two weeks. And I missed it. <laughs> because God had me in two other places the last two weeks. But I heard all about it. So, I want to continue talking about tables. Because God... You know, when he's talking about something, when he keeps confirming it and confirming it and confirming it, like he actually is doing something. And so I start asking him, what does it mean, you know, because he keeps talking about tables. Everywhere we turn, he's talking about tables. And, you know, a table can be literal or a table can just represent something, Right. But a table is a space that we intentionally create. It could be a blanket, a quilt, a picnic table, a coffee table, a patio table, a kitchen table, a dining room table, your living room. It can be this altar right here. (laughs) This altar right here is a table. It's a place to sit with Jesus. It's a place to be known. It's a place to be safe. A place to receive prayer, a place to be vulnerable, and a place to be loved. A table is a personal place. This is one thing I love about tables. I've always loved tables. I grew up loving tables. And a table is a personal place that invites intimacy, vulnerability, friendship, comfort, conversation, and stillness. Tables are gathering places. And right now, even just in our house, we are having intentional gatherings, just inviting people to the table. And we have intentional questions that we answer and we have conversation. And we worship and we pray. And we're calling our small groups now table groups here. As you all know, Andrew heard this in 2022, and he shared it with a few people to pray over it. And then Heidi comes in, and she starts prophesying, and she starts saying, I see tables, I see tables. And Andrew has shared that word that she gave about tables. And I love um, what Andrew shared, that these table groups are about belonging, encounter, and discipleship. I love those words. So as I've been asking Jesus about tables, these are the words I hear. I hear personal. I hear presence. I hear perspective. I hear power. And I hear promise. And I want you to take those words with you today. So first, personal. So I already mentioned a table is a place of personal encounter, right? With God and with people. Everything about our walk with Jesus is meant to be personal. Right? That's the whole point. <laughs> so when we're in a room like this, it's still personal, right? When you're at home, it's personal. When you're at a table, It's personal. We are personally invited to God's table. And I love, love, love Psalm 23. It's been a favorite of mine for a long time. But, you know, it's one of those passages that it's kind of like John 3.16. It's like everybody knows Psalm 23. Like, even if you don't believe in Jesus, many times you've heard Psalm 23, right? Right? So it can become so familiar, right? But I feel like God is really highlighting Psalm 23 right now in a fresh way. And look how personal Psalm 23 is. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You have anointed my head with oil. And my cup overflows. Surely goodness and loving kindness will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And I want to encourage you. Read that every day right now in that way. Like it's personal. And so... I'm calling this the Psalm 23 table because at the Psalm 23 table, he cares for us, he restores us, he guides us, he sets us free from fear, he's with us, he comforts us, he gives us wisdom, perspective, and power, he anoints us. He fills us to overflowing. He surrounds us with goodness and loving kindness. And he is our dwelling place always. That is a pretty good table, right? Who wants to come to that table? Who's invited to that table? Only the people who have it all together? We all know that's not true, right? Anyone's invited to the table. That's great news, you guys. Wherever you are, however you're feeling, whatever you're struggling with, you're welcome at the table with Jesus. Jesus was so intentional when he was here to communicate this. So much so that he got in trouble all the time. For hanging out with the wrong people, right? Matthew 9, Jesus was reclining at the table. Many tax collectors and sinners came and were dining with Jesus and his disciples. And when the Pharisees saw this, they said, Why is your teacher eating with tax collectors and sinners? And then in Luke 7, again, he's at a Pharisee's house at a table when the woman breaks the alabaster vial of perfume and wipes his feet with her hair. And it says she was known as a sinner by the religious community. That statement was made for a reason. Jesus was making it clear that everyone's invited to his table. And I love that you can't hide at a table, right? It's easy. It's kind of easy to hide in a big group, right? But when you sit down at a table with people, it's hard to hide, right? And I love what's already been talked about, about um, the guys on the road to Emmaus. And and here they walked and they talked with Jesus and they didn't know it was him. Until what? (laughs) Until they sat down. Well, they didn't sit down in those days. But until they got around the table, they didn't recognize him. But when they got around the table with him, they recognized him. You can't hide at a table. That's really good because, you know, we want to hide a lot of times, but it's always better if we don't. (laughs) It's always better if we have people we feel safe with. Really significant things happened with Jesus around the table. He was prepared for his death and burial by the alabaster vial of perfume while he was at the table. He spent time with his disciples at the table. Reclining at the table. Making breakfast for them. Teaching them how to multiply food for hungry people. Teaching them what heaven looked like. Jesus spent his last night with his disciples at a table. Where did he show up after his resurrection? I just talked about it. He showed up at a table. And then at that table, Jesus commissioned his disciples with what we now call the Great Commission in Matthew 16. The table really is a personal place. A place to belong and a place to be discipled. Okay. The table is a place of his presence. So, it's fascinating to me that in the Old Testament, if you know, like in the temple, there was always a table for the bread. Do you know that? There was a table and it always had bread on it. And it had fresh bread on it. So, it didn't, it wasn't okay for it to have stale bread it was all prophetic and it was called anybody know what it's called the bread yes the bread of his presence that's what it was called the bread of his presence and it had to be put fresh every day and then look John 6 Here's what it says in John 6. Our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness, the bread that came fresh from heaven every day, right? That sustained them all that time. And it was written, he gave them bread out of heaven to eat. And Jesus said to them, truly I say to you, it is not Moses who has given you the bread out of heaven, but it's my father Who gives you the true bread out of heaven. For the bread of God is that which comes down out of heaven and gives life to the world. So they said to him, Lord, always give us this bread. That was their response. Jesus said in response to that, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will not hunger and he who believes in me will never So the table is a place of fresh bread. (laughs) And when we take communion, it's that reminder that Jesus is the bread that came from heaven. Every day, every day he wants the bread of his presence to be fresh. (laughs) And guess what? It is, actually. It is fresh. It's fresh bread every day. His presence fills us, sustains us, guides us, heals us, sets us free. His presence is everything, right? So the table really is a place of encounter of His presence. And and we're invited always, wherever we are. You don't have to be in church. You don't have to have a certain... Posture or position, you just have to show up. (laughs) All you have to do is show up. Show up in your car, show up in your kitchen, show up in your living room, show up in your office, show up in your school, show up and just say, here I am, I'm at the table, give me fresh bread. It's not complicated, right? All right, then I heard power. And you know what? As I was pondering this, power is not always what we think it looks like. <laughs> and I was, I've been so struck by Psalm 23.5. For a long time, God's been talking to me about this. And I'll never forget the first time that he really, you know how when Jesus tells you what you don't know, and you didn't know you didn't know? <laughs> well, you know, that's the story of my life. So, Psalm 23.5 says, You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. So I'll never forget the day when God said, I said there's a table for you in the presence of your enemies. Not after you get out of the fight. (laughs) In the presence of your enemies. Now... Here's some enemies, you guys. And guess what? It's not people. Okay, people can cause us a great deal of pain and problems. But they're not our enemies. But here's some enemies that I think sometimes we don't realize we're fighting them in our own strength. So, some enemies, bitterness, hopelessness, discouragement, despair, sickness, addictions, anxiety, fear. And at the table that he's prepared before us, in the middle of our enemies, it has his bread on it, right? It's, it's, it's his table with his bread, with his presence. And so at this table, Jesus comes into all these things. And he brings healing and freedom and peace. And he is the one that's able to do that. So even though we would kind of like to, sometimes we don't realize it, but we kind of, we don't want to come to a table. We're like, hmm. Right? Like, I don't feel like coming to a table. And I'm kind of mad at you right now anyway, God. And I don't like this situation. And you could zap these enemies, and that's really what I would prefer. Okay? Everybody raise your hand. We'd rather he zap them, right? Sometimes we'd rather he zap some people, too. We don't want to come to a table. That's not usually what we want to do. And if we're struggling with hopelessness, discouragement, or despair, then we have a tendency to want to isolate, right? And what does he do? What does he say? Come to the table. So you know what? You can come to the table reluctantly, that's really okay. (laughs) You can be really slow. To come to the table. You know, if you've ever, you know, had situations in your home with tables and people, then sometimes people are called to the table and they're not always in the greatest frame of mind. <laughs> and might even be mad at each other, right? But there's something about coming to the table together together. That brings an opportunity for all that stuff to be exposed for what it is. And for healing and restoration to come in. So, it's a good thing to come to the table in the presence of your enemies. Because it is a place of provision. It's a place where you see the way he sees. And you hear the way he hears. And that's everything you guys. Nikki, what she said, that's real. It is everything. We are bombarded with bad news all the time. We're bombarded with bad news from all the world's news, and then we're bombarded with bad news from all the Christian news. It's just bad news, all bad news. I'm not saying it's not real, but I'm saying that God is moving. He's not shut down. He's not afraid. He's not hiding. He is not in heaven thinking, well, it's too bad. They got those leaders right now as I can't do anything. Okay, I get it. I, get, I, I do get it. Leaders matter. I'm all about it, okay? I'm all about it. And I'm going to vote all about it. <laughs> and I want you to vote all about it because leaders matter. But I'm telling you that Jesus is not stopped by anything. And I'm telling you that we have to know how he sees things. We have to see what he sees and hear what he says and partner with it. That's who we are as believers. We partner with what he's doing. What did Jesus do on the earth? What did he say? He said, I only do what I see my father doing. Jesus said it. Okay, so I think it's pretty important. (laughs) If Jesus did what he saw his father doing, then That is now us. We do what we see the Father doing, what we hear the Father doing, and he is doing stuff. He is. And he wants us to be about what he's doing, right? So where do we find out what he's doing? At his table, right? Okay. All these enemies... We have some more. It's not bad news, though. The other ones are rulers, powers, and forces of darkness and wickedness. Right? You know those. They're in the word. Jesus talked about them. They're real. But they're not bigger than God. That's the thing. They're not. (laughs) Because all authority in heaven and earth have been given to Jesus. And we don't overcome these rulers and powers and forces by yelling at them and fighting in our own strength. We just wear out, right? So guess how we overcome them? Yes. It's all true. And we come to the table, right? We overcome them by going to his table because at his table we encounter his presence. We see from his presence. We hear from his presence. We're filled with his power from his presence. And we're infused with his strategy from his presence. You know, in the Old Testament, they had access to his power, right? They got in trouble a lot when they didn't follow his instructions right? He didn't do it the same way all the time. So Gideon, God told him to make his army smaller. Did that make sense? No. Joshua, he told him to march around and blow trumpets. Did that make sense? No. Jonathan, he told him to go out on the battlefield and have a conversation. And so, so many other stories. And then so many stories about what happened when they didn't follow the instructions, right? Didn't go so well in those battles. Okay, so what about the New Testament? Jesus never had a formula. He did what he saw his father doing. He went to the table with the father to see and hear, and then he did what he saw and heard. So he spit in the dirt and made mud to put on blind eyes. He sat at a well with a troubled woman, and her heart was healed. Sometimes he touched people. Sometimes people just touched him. Sometimes he just spoke, and things happened. But one thing he made very clear was that his disciples, because they believed in him, they had power also. And he kept discipling and teaching them this and modeling this for him. So have you ever really thought about the whole thing where the disciples are in the boat with Jesus in a stormy ocean? He told them to get in the boat, first of all. He's asleep in the boat. And there's a stormy sea. And the disciples, they wake him up. And what did they say? Why are you sleeping? We're over here dying. And Jesus, what is his response? (laughs) Where's your faith? That's what he said. Where's your faith? He was teaching them that it wasn't just him. But because they believe in him, because he lives in us, then we have his power too. Ephesians makes it super, super clear. And I'm not going to read the whole thing. So go home and read it. Ephesians 1. But I'm going to say this middle part because he's praying that... Wisdom and revelation would come and the eyes of our hearts would be enlightened so we would know what is the surpassing greatness of his power toward us who believe. And that this is in accordance with the working of his strength of his might which he brought about in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in heavenly places. Far above all rule. All, say all. All rule. Got news for all of you guys trying to make the rules. He's above it. <laughs> and authority and power and dominion. He's above all of it. He has the authority. He has the power. He has the dominion. And he's above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. Isaiah 40 says he gives strength to the weary and to him who lacks might, he increases power. Jesus wants us to have power and I am longing for his power to be poured out in my life and to be poured out right here in this place, to be poured out through all of us as Convergence family into a world that is starving and dying and crying out for the power of God. We need power. And where does it say the power is? Right here. I just read it. There's not really a wrong answer with this group. Okay. (laughs) The power, he just said, is inside of us. Because Jesus is inside of us. He said the surpassing greatness of his power toward us Who believe. And it says that Christ lives in us and He is the hope of glory. He is the hope of glory for the world. He's the hope of glory for Fort Worth. He's the hope of glory for Texas. He's the hope of glory for America. He's the hope of glory for Turkey. He's the hope of glory for Syria. He's the hope of glory in the earth. And He's in us. Therefore, we're the hope of glory on the earth. That's why Isaiah 60 says, Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. So, you know, most of you know, I have my own boat experience. I've been on boats in stormy seas. And one particular time, we had a tiny boat and walls of water. This was in Africa. And we're bailing water out of the boat as fast as we can. And it's really not working. And the guy driving the boat is starting to panic. And we're all like praying, 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 praying in the spirit, crying out to Jesus. And I will never forget it. Jesus is like, you speak to it. And I always remembered. oh, yeah. You said that a long time ago. <laughs> Oh, yeah, good plan. So I start speaking to it. Obviously, we made it out. We were alive. I'm here to tell the story. But that that marked me because I know. I know that I know that I know. And listen, this is what the enemy puts his whole force into trying to keep us from it in any way possible. Either we think God doesn't care, we think we're not good enough, we think that we have too much going on, we think it's too hard, we think, well, it didn't happen one time, or maybe it didn't happen 20 times. And you know what I mean? There's all the things, all the time to try to keep us from this because this is This is the hope of the world. It is. The church of Jesus is the hope of the world. And this is who we are. It is right here. So the table is a place to encounter his power and to invite others to encounter his power. So my last one is promise. Because I felt like God said we have some promises from God. His word is full of them. If you need some, just look in there. It's great. Full of promises. We have personal, our own personal promises in our heart. And I felt like God was talking to me about promises. And he said, remember, don't think that the giants are going to stop you from your promise. Because actually... They can't. (laughs) So Joshua and Caleb, you know, they spent time in God's presence. It specifically says when Moses left the tent of meeting where the glory of God came, Joshua stayed. He lingered. It specifically says that. And I believe that's why when they went into the promised land, everybody saw giants. And Joshua and Caleb said, no, actually they're grasshoppers. (laughs) That's why David, everybody else saw a giant. David saw a big God. He saw Goliath differently. And I believe that the greatest promise that God has ever given us is that he is with us. That is his greatest promise. That is his great promise. Emmanuel, God with us. The end of the great commission. I'm sending you out. And what does it say? I will be with you always. The end of Psalm 23. Surely goodness and loving kindness will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Over and over and over. He tells us he's with us. And like David said, if God is with us, who can be against us, right? So, he didn't say it would be easy. But he did say, do not fight the battle in your own strength. He did say that. So, we're going to take communion and we're going to remember what he did. And, you know, I failed to say this. So... I'm going to apologize right now to the worship people (laughs) because I meant to ask you this. I meant to ask you this before we started. But um, can we sing, Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus? I knew that we could, and I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Listen, that that really is amazing and extraordinary to have musicians with a gift. I don't have the gift, so I'm super thankful for the gift. So this is what we're going to do. Everybody open your communion because we all know it takes a little effort to get these things open. So go ahead and open it. Get this amazing bread out. I promise one of these days I'm going to show up with actual fresh bread. Oh, Wanda. Thank you. Wanda's volunteered. She's a bread maker extraordinaire. All right, get this amazing, sorry, it's not fresh, but it represents fresh bread. Get it out. All right, everybody ready? We're going to stand up. And I want to just invite you to, like, if any of these things, if you're just like, yes, I really need right now, I need to just feel him in a super personal way. If you're like, I really need a fresh revelation that he is with me. I need a fresh revelation that all authority belongs to Jesus. If you are just even saying, like, I I need fresh bread, I need the fresh bread or if you're like me and you're like longing to see his power poured out, I want to invite you to bring your communion and just come up here right now. Just as a prophetic act of, I'm coming right now for this fresh bread today. This fresh bread of your presence. This fresh bread of personal encounter with you. This fresh bread of your power. This fresh bread of your promise. I'm coming to access the fullness of it. I'm coming to the table. Jesus told us to do this. Wow. Of all the things he could have said. He told us to do this. Why? Because He wants us to remember that He's fresh bread and He wants us to encounter Him in a fresh way. So we remember, Jesus, what You did. And we remember that Your body gave us fresh bread of Your presence, that Your body gave us healing, that Your body gave us freedom. That your body gave us hope. That your body gave us joy. That your body gave us shalom. You did that, Jesus. We don't do it for ourselves. You did it. You did it because you knew we couldn't do it. So it's okay that we can't do it. But right now we receive you in, as fresh bread in our lives. and So we take this bread. And we take this cup, Jesus, because you said to. That's why we're doing it, because you said to. Because you said to remember your blood. And what does it say about the blood of Jesus? It says the blood of Jesus speaks a better word. So we say right now to all of those enemies, the blood of Jesus speaks a better word. The blood of Jesus has the final word. The blood of Jesus speaks a better word. And you are silenced. And you are rendered powerless by the blood of Jesus. And We, we partake in the fullness of your covenant with us. That your blood made covenant with us that cannot be broken. The covenant of Jesus cannot be broken by man. It cannot be broken by man. It cannot be legislated away. It cannot be pushed out by religion. It will not be silenced, and it will not be stopped. And we remember your blood covenant, and so we take this cup. And right now, we're just gonna spend the rest of this time at the table, just receiving fresh bread, just looking at his face. This is probably my all-time favorite song in all the songs. And so we're gonna end here. And whenever you're ready, you're free to go. And the kids' department will be calling you if you don't go. But that's okay. You just might get tapped. But right now, just you can kneel, you can sit, you can lay down, you can find a chair if that's more comfortable. You come to the table right now. We come to the table right now, Jesus. We come to the table. In the presence of enemies. And we exalt you. We look at you. We look at you, Jesus, because you said, fix your eyes on me because I'm the author and perfecter of your faith. He's the author of your, and perfecter of your faith, not you. Look at him. Look at him. Receive his fresh bread this morning. And guess what? He gives us enough bread to give away. You guys, I've given bread to actual starving people. And I almost got mauled because the crowd just raced in for a loaf of bread. And it forever marked me that when we're hungry, we will go in for the bread. We will not be stopped and we will not be held back. We come to your table. We love your table, Jesus. We love your table, Jesus. We love your bread, Jesus. We turn our eyes on you, Jesus. Oh. Says that the Jesus that we will see has eyes that are flames of fire. Thank you that everything pales, everything dims in the light of your glory and grace. Thank you that the noise you for shining the light of your glory and grace upon you if you need prayer just want to invite all our prayer people up staff, microchurch pastors leaders prayer leaders come up if you need prayer please don't leave without it and I just encourage you that the table is always with you as you go, I just bless you to experience and encounter him in fresh ways, as fresh bread at the tables that he has for you, and you're also welcome to linger as long as you want.